The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and end The God of all creation and my personal friend Welcome to Restoration Basics This is the Preparatory Podcast My name is Samuel Jordison Andrew Smith and I'm upset. <laughs> Why is that? Jason? I, I say that because weeks ago we have already recorded this podcast. And as I went to edit it, we only had half of a word playing on repeat that Sam was saying through the whole thing. Don't ask me how, but it happened. So here we are again. Well, also, it was our second time doing the podcast when we did that, too. So this is take yes. three. Yeah. First take. I think 20 minutes in, we decided to scratch it. And then the second take, it's like 35 minutes. And we're like, all right, we're good. And it's gone. So here we are. So we can make it 40 minutes this time is what you're saying. Definitely. Do, 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 do. Today, we are back in the book of Omni. If you've been listening regularly, then it's probably not back in the book of Omni because you've been with us the whole time. But we've had some jumping around. We've already recorded other episodes and now we're going back. So we're back in the book of Omni, the last of the small books. Itty bitty living space. Kind of. Um, kind of. That's right. If you count, if you don't count words, if you don't count WOM. And let's just kick it off. We have to go back and look at our notes, but let's give it a sum up. The little paragraph above, above the chapter. Tell me, this is what it says. It says, the records are handed down through five Nephite authors. The Nephites discover the people of Zarahemla, and they unite. Mosiah translates engravings, telling of the Jaredites. Malachi calls all to come to Christ. Um, I know it's been a while, but do you guys remember anything about your observations about the book of Omni? I liked how it tied in what we talked about in, in Jacob 2 with the fathers and the sons and, and how you can see the faithfulness of the fathers passing down to the faithfulness of the sons and, or lack of and just see how that that's in relation you know it's very easy to see with with five authors in, a, right. in one chapter so you know back to back yeah. to back to yeah. back yeah. yeah and uh they go through them like water <laughs> um at least in the beginning they do because omni gets them from jerem and uh his, his dad tells them you should write somewhat concerning what's going on to preserve our genealogy i think that begins to show you um, my first note is in verse 12, and Andrew, you mentioned this, um, how the commandments were to the Father and the Son. You can see that and somewhat the uh, the the bad side, the good side too, but the bad side. In verse 12, it says, we keep the record for it is according to the commandments of our fathers. And so it's become less about the relationship they have with the Lord and more about what their dads told them. So, or their brother or whoever. So it's... It, you can see the good that's still coming from it, but you can also see because of the lack of anything very meaningful in these verses um, that they they may have kept the letter of the law, but they didn't necessarily understand the intent. And so they lost out on a lot of stuff. They were good at obedience to their father, but not necessarily their heavenly father. Ooh. <laughs> I think that's relatable to what we're seeing uh, maybe sometimes today, it's tough to say because we are 20-ish uh, years old, but 
what happens when the church becomes more reliant on the commandments of the olden days and less reliant upon the spirit of the Lord, we are living in the aftermath of that, I feel like. Yeah. Andrew's yeah. just itching to say something about that. Yep. <laughs> Scratch that itch, Andrew. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, something I could take from that, not necessarily even following old commandments, but like following man, that's definitely something we see. And I didn't really think about going this way, but I'll go a little bit into it. I see a lot in modern time that a lot of the people that I see who have left the church or have fallen away and have either become atheists or you know some sort of denial of faith, a lot of it comes from other people and how they respond to the gospel and not necessarily they just are mad at God or something. And, and that happens too. But a lot of people are like, you know, in the church, you just see a lot of hypocrisy and like people are hateful and all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, like that's of, of course that's true because the church is made up of human beings who are people who are hateful and, and that shouldn't dictate how you view your faith. That shouldn't bring you away from God. That would, you should just be able to acknowledge that people are fallen and need God and just like everybody else. So yeah, that that's a random, not completely random thought, but that's kind of what came to my mind when he started talking about. Do you think people. there's like, um, there's a place though for, for people? Because obviously if, if yes. you and I are in the church, then we should be moving away from, hypocrisy well absolutely uh, like yeah so so there's like a get not not that you want to have a give and a take because it'd be awesome if you would never take any well depending yeah on what you're no i'm not trying to absolve people in the church of hypocrisy um i'm just trying to make the point that you cannot blame god for the hypocrisy of people basically and so if yeah. you're going to be an atheist because of the hypocrisy of the church that it doesn't really jive well besides the church the people in the church haven't fully given their hearts to god yeah and it doesn't do much to uh it, it doesn't do anything different than what god's telling us to change either i mean he's told us that you need to start actually obeying the commandments you know instead of being hypocritic do you yeah. think um you know how it says well not that not that anybody's sins are ever really on you right because we all have our own choices but there is something to be said about the example that you set like when fathers don't or mothers don't teach their kids and then the kids don't know any better and you know yeah the kids set up for failure to, there's something to be said when the church is setting up other people for failure too yeah and, and that's where we see a lot of the um responsibility that especially priesthood and leadership roles have is if your own hypocrisy is turning people away from the church then you are absolutely held accountable for that. And that should that should terrify you because you don't want to be the person to, oh, you've turned 10 souls away from me when you're being judged. You know, like yeah. that's, that's not good. We're we're not there yet, but Alma and the sons of Mosiah, their dad was their dads were were struggling with the same thing, and their sons um 
were obviously giving off this vibe of <laughs> we hate the church and it, you know, mm-hmm. cause they were saying it flat out. Like, yeah, you guys are stupid. And, uh, and it, I mean, they were like, we, we can't get people to listen to us because you're being dumb, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and to an extent that's where we have to be careful too, is that people can see, I mean, like our lives right, right now in this day and age are so easy to, um, to, to see, <laughs> With yeah. e- with everything, social media and just, I don't know, just the way the world and society is set up, you're, there's not much hidden mm-hmm. or that, that can be hidden. And so when people find out things about you, well, they're not going to listen to you if, if you're not living what you're talking about. That's tricky, though, too, because it might be that they weren't paying attention all the time I was trying to share or the whole like 90% of the the background or whatever. And then they heard the 10% that was like the judgment part or whatever. It was like, Hey, you can't do that. And they're like, gosh, that guy's a mean guy. All he cares about is. Yeah. So really it comes down to on both sides. Like you have to take the responsibility um, as priesthood and stuff to live the best life you can. And and not just priesthood either, I think. I think they have, they're yeah. held to a higher standard. Sure. That, that, yeah. That's why I bring that up is yeah. because of the standard that's being held. Uh, but yes, everyone should in the church should absolutely be as vigilant and keeping the commandments as they can. But there's also responsibility of people who are getting offended or questioning their faith based on the church to actually take a look on what the actual issue is and not just trying to turn away from God because of the people inside the church. And I think a lot of that comes down to how the spirit is working in your life, how much of the spirit is allowed to be in your life. You allow him to be in your life. Mm -hmm. Have you guys read the book square blocks? No. Nope. You heard of it? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Uh, It's not a very common book, but I was given it a while ago. Um, And it's, it's a thesis or, or I don't know. The theme of the whole book is that, we are physical beings um, here on earth talking about things that are spiritual and our words are like square blocks and we try to build them, you know, like, and, and you hear testimonies where people's like, I can't even explain to you how this made me feel and stuff. Well, it's because our language, everything we know isn't set up so that we can convey this. And so God's painting this gorgeous picture and all we have is little Legos, you know? And so like, we can do something that resembles it kind of, but it, it, we need the spirit with us to really dr- bring that message home. And uh, and that's really where it comes down to, like the, the presenter of correction needs to have the spirit with them to say, okay, yeah, this is from God. And the, and the receiver of that correction needs to have the spirit with them so that they can say, okay, yeah, that's from God. And it's not from this person who I think is hypocritical. Yeah, I, I really like that analogy. It made me think of just, you have the kingdom of God and that's such a wonderful thing that it is kind of hard to describe to people and you know, not talking about Zion, which would be a little more easy to talk about physically because it's a physical place. But when you're talking about the kingdom of God and you are like, all right, I'm going to use Legos and build what I think a kingdom of God would look like. Sure. Like it, it's not going to be anywhere quite near the mark um, of what it truly is. But it's like that with hard to like uh, the spirit, like, mm-hmm. cause that's a question that a lot of times on our visits to people, we've asked people what, how do they know that well, we talked to Jim a little bit about the discernment and stuff that he had. 
But you see that a lot with the spirit, like people like, well, younger, like even me sometimes I'm like, hey, how do you know it's the spirit or not? And it's like, well, you can use analogies. You can use like it's the brain of the bosom, but, you know, no one's really on fire. No one's be like, oh, boom, there's a spirit right there. It's not like you can look down and be like, okay, I see you glowing. I know that my temperature is is way warmer. Right. Yeah. It's just, you know, you're trying to put physical words onto a spiritual not physical words, but like uh, words relating to the physical realm where mm-hmm. our, our sphere of knowledge and yeah. to a thing that is so far above us, so far yeah, unexplainable. Our, our language is very literal. Yeah. And so spiritual things are not very literal. So. And so you run into times when it's like, well, no way to describe that. Just know what's going on. And that's a part of like the natural world. I mean, that's a part of like the fallen world that we're in kind of. A lot of people, I've heard that the pure language that is talked about in before the Tower of Babel was just a language that included the spirit with it. Like, mm-hmm. because with that, there's no misunderstanding, yeah. you know? And, and so I think we're seeing the repercussions of that still is that we don't have the spirit with our yeah. language, any of our languages, you know, unless the people have it individually. Yeah. For sure. How many times has like someone preached a sermon and like you come away and be like, that was a really good sermon. And then you talk to someone else and they're like, I did not like it at all because of this point they made. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, well, I didn't take it like that. I took it as like, they were yeah, making absolutely. that point with the other point and put them together. And that's what I get. Yeah. And it's like, well, he focused too much on that or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah it's happened many a time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen that, you know, uh, on Facebook too. Like I've seen a couple of people arguing and I've seen, I've been in like arguments or discussions myself where it comes to, it, it becomes apparent that the other person or one of the people in this conversation doesn't have the same definition of a word that I do yeah, or that the other person does. And I'm, and, and then I have to back up or like insert myself and say, listen, guys, you're not talking about the same thing. And like, and I, I think that's where we have really suffered in the past 20 years being so independent is that we've gone and made our own definitions for a lot of things. And uh, we don't have, uh, I mean, and they're all fairly correct, but like we're just going around and nobody knows what anybody else is saying. Yeah. And it's just difficult. There's a, a scripture that talks about, well, an author, his whole uh, little spiel yeah, and I say whole little spiel because it's mostly little. It's by Abinadam. Starts in verse thirteen, right after I guess that kept the commandments of our fathers. Down to seventeen, he's he's living in a world where he says he knows of no revelation save that which has been written. He doesn't know of any prophesy, but what has been written before is sufficient. And I think that's uh, a lot like our day today, specifically these last well, my whole lifetime, twenty three years. Um. Where it's like, well, yeah, we know of like some instances where someone will say like, I have an experience from the Lord or stuff like that. But for the most part, none of those are like either to the whole church or even to the world or to their maybe to a specific person or a group of people, or it's somewhat vague. And I'm not saying it's not important because I think it's true, but it's vague in the fact of like, hey, prepare because the time's getting short. And it's like, well, yes, that's important, but also like. We've been saying that for a long time. Right. Too. Yeah. Like, so it's like a lot of times that people feel it's watered down and, yeah. and I'm not saying that that's good, but that I know of no revelation where someone has said this will happen and then that does happen or, or yeah. whatever. So yeah, and that's life without a prophet. It's true. Life without the spirit in your church. Yeah. I tend to. As a whole. Yeah. 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 I tend to think that 
we are very similar to just Israelites wandering in the wilderness. And like, we don't have a whole lot of what happened during all those many times that they were wandering, but we do know that they at least had some faith. They had some obedience and that's kind of where we're at. Like we don't have these crazy experiences going on, but we do have our faith. We do have some obedience to the commandments and that's all we really can do at this point to some extent. If you're taking the 84 split, literally we're what? 36 years. Yep. Wait, 30, yeah. 36. Yeah. When were the fiery serpents of the Israelites in the wilderness? Ooh. Cause I would have said 2020 was <laughs> <laughs> in my lineup. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to look into that. <laughs> Just to keep moving on to the book of through the book of Omni, because there is not a lot to talk about just because it's it's what you'd expect from a people who have no real relationship with the Lord. <laughs> I mean, if, if someone, least, yeah, yeah if, if, yeah, if someone sat me down and said, hey, write scripture, then you're getting exactly what you'd get of like, <laughs> yeah. well, the scripture I'm going to write is going to be the history. And unless the Lord gives me something right then, you know, a revelation for the people, then it's going to be mostly what the later parts of the Doctrine and Covenants look like, where this guy got called <laughs> and this guy got called. But yeah. yeah. Do you guys have any notes on Omni? Post seven, verse 17. Oh, we had the history to talk about. Andrew's perfect for that. I Andrew's our history buff. I'm really not. It was probably one of my weaker subjects. But, but you looked it up. Um, I did look it up this time. So in... In uh, verse 26, talks about a people that left at the time of Zedekiah, who was the king of Judah. And we just we reference that with Second Kings uh, chapter 24 and 25. Well, Zedekiah is important for another. Well, he was the king at the same time that who? Lehi. <laughs> Lehi left. Lehi. 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 Lehi's family left. So it, it's the same. Um, well, he was the king, but Lehi's family left before the Mulekites did because they're called Mulek because the people, sorry, just stepped on Andrew's history lesson. This is what I planned. <laughs> Mulekites left post ransacking of the city by old King Nebi. Yeah. Uh, old King Nebi uh, appointed him to be king of Judah. And so anyway, yeah, chapter 24 and 25 is, is about Zedekiah and, um, uh, Jerusalem being destroyed and then carried into captivity, Judah being carried into captivity. Oh, and we also, um, we talked about one of the sons, um, be because in chapter 25, it talks about King Zedekiah's sons all dying. And then later, we will find out that not all of them died. Which is where these people come from. Yes. Sorry, I spoiled that. Yes. <laughs> but there's more. <laughs> there is. So tune in next time. Lehi left around 600 BC, 580 BC. Yeah. When was uh, Zedekiah? Zedekiah had a rough, rough go of it. He saw his sons get murdered in and front of his, him. Yeah, and then his eyes were plucked out right after that. So, so that was the last thing he saw. Yeah. Brutal. That is, that's, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> if you want like the equivalent of it, it's like wearing a mask. <laughs> 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 Today's equivalent is like wearing a mask. <laughs> You've all you're you're all on the same level as that guy. Let's Man, just have, have a big shitty party. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here you have two people, but um, the people of that descended from 
Zedekiah's son that they escaped. They are later referred to as Mulekites, um, the people of Mulek. Here you see they did not have records like the people of Lehi did. And so you have Lehi down to his son Nephi, down to Jacob. Well, you have Lehi down to Jacob, down to Enos, down to Jerem, down to Omni. Then you have five authors, but one of them is brothers. So there's four in there. So nine, you have nine generations past of no record. So if if you can go up your family tree nine times and and tell what happened without looking up, <laughs> I would be very impressed. But that's what the Mulekites are working with. They they have, you know, Nada. approximately, you know, nine generations of oral history, I guess. I don't even know my ninth yeah, I, I, grandparent, I, I, uh, eight to sixth grandparent, I guess. Yeah. But, so I'm not much help <laughs> <No>. <laughs> on that. But that's that's what you'd be working with if you were a Mulekite. So the people of Mosiah, who is um, carrying the records, uh, well, not yet. Five. Five's as good as I got. <laughs> <laughs> so the people of Mosiah, where we're going to jump forward a little bit, a Malachi, who comes after um, Abinadam, has the record, and he hands them to Mosiah. Mosiah is going to be the one who gives the people of Mulek their history, says, hey, this is what happened to us um, because of what happened to your great-great-great-great-grandfather. Um, so, uh, which is going to be important because, like we see, the people without their record don't know what what covenants they're under, um, what, what the Lord has in store for them. Yeah, it's an important thing. They also foreshadow in verse 36, the Jaredites, they give an account of one Coriantumr and the slain of his people. And Coriantumr was discovered by the people of Zarahemla or these, uh, these Mulekites. He dwelt with them for the space of nine moons, which I guess we'd say months. I, I, yep. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Nine months, about yep. a year. And spake a few words concerning his fathers. They talk about, I guess they have that history then, but just from Coriantumr, so his records. And then... Mosiah uh, has his son, Benjamin, and then uh, Mosiah passes away. And so Amalekai gives the record to King Benjamin because he's a, a just man. And then he caps it off with the, I guess, the sermon of Omni, which is about a three-verse sermon. But um, do you either, either of you have anything to say about that? Uh, yeah, I I really liked this part. It just seemed like... I don't know when when you hear people speak generally during the message, you can tell what's important to these people during during the message. You can tell what's important to the speaker here. You can you can just tell that this is something he's really passionate about. Forty four and believe in prophesying and revelations and the ministering of angels and the gift of speaking with tongues and the, the gift of interpretation of languages and all things which are good for there is nothing which is good save it comes from the Lord. And I don't know, I, I just like his perspective. You know, he's just encouraging people to believe in gifts that he's seen in his life, maybe because his father hadn't told him about them before, or maybe he hadn't been given a, a good of witness as, as he should have been given. Um, but he was doing his his job or duty to to pass that witness on to the next person or to the next generation. And I appreciated that. It goes to show you how... Uh... And important it was, like you said, to him. And um, 
if he could have wrote one thing, right? So he's had these records his whole life. It says he's about, well, not his whole life, but, you know, um, his his father gives them to him. And, uh, and he doesn't write much, but what he does write is, hey, come to the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Um, he says, uh, there's nothing which is good except that which comes from the Lord. So the only things, anything that doesn't come from the Lord is is empty. It's bad. It's um, not sufficient. It will leave you wanting more because it cannot fill you. Um, there's nothing good that comes. Um, yeah, and it says, "With that which is evil comes from the devil, the bad guy." Yeah, you don't want to do stuff that is of the devil. That's pretty, true. pretty standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I guess. We couldn't say it any better than Malachi could. We're going to leave off and this episode, I think. Short discussion, but it's a short book. Small chapter. Short chapter. Yeah. But we want to thank you guys for, for listening. And we're, we're once we get into Mosiah, we're going to have a little bit longer episodes, I feel like, because this kind of wraps up the uh, the itty-bitty living space besides the Wom, the words of Mormon. Um, but I think we grouped those in with first chapter of Mosiah. So... Um, looking forward to it. Um, if anyone has any questions, if anyone has any statements they want to make, if anyone would like to be a guest, just please reach out to us on Facebook. Um, that's, that'd probably be the easiest way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we would, we would love that. So, or if you have suggestions for, for guests or whoever, we can, we can also talk to them. I want to thank you for listening. We are going to have Jason cue the outro music. This band is acapella, and it's uh, that's the name of the band. Or, yeah, they're acapella. They're super yeah. 90s. Yep. Right? They're 90s. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. My Lord and my God is gone. Thank you. Oh, God, what can I say? Your loving kindness blesses every.